Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. So hats off to Pastor Stefan and the team. Thank you so much. And uh, we really, really enjoyed that. And I just noted in the announcements here the, the prayer emphasis on Wednesday for, uh, in the prayer room for the church having a heart of prayer. Wow, that's amazing. That's a tremendous prayer request to have, amen? So uh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, Pastor Stefan is, uh, is uh, you know, it was great that he could, uh, he could come up here on, on Wednesday and, and lead, the, lead uh, the worship night. And um, so he's here, uh, but he's still, uh, he's still mending from that um, knee surgery, and we're glad that he was able to have that, and God is bringing healing as we pray uh, for that. So we're going to have a prayer time now, uh, which I mentioned last week, I just think is such an, a tremendous addition to the services, to have a time when we all pray together. It's very special, isn't it, church? I just think it's, uh, it's just lovely. So this is what I'd like us to uh, pray for. Continue, I asked you last week to, to pray for Pastor Stephen, his healing, of course, but also as he leads and his family, so Pastor Stephan and his family, that would be the first prayer request. He will, he will emphasize, you know, the top prayer requests, and I know that isn't on there, but uh, when I'm here, then I can do that. So we'll, we'll pray for that. The second thing I'd like you to do is pray for that prayer request that they mentioned for Wednesday, you know, that, that the church really gets this heart, of, heart for prayer. And the third thing would be your top prayer request. Okay? How's that? There's a lot to pray for there, isn't it? That could actually keep us going for the remainder of the morning if we wanted to, right? So would you stand for this, please? And uh, we're going to do that together. If you're visiting here uh, or you are not comfortable with praying out loud, pray silently. That's just completely okay with us. Doesn't, doesn't bother us at all. But for those that feel comfortable with this, we've been doing this kind of thing for many years. And so um, we'll just pray like this. I'll just count down like Pastor Stephen does. Three, two, one, and let's pray. Lord, thank you so much.
And Lord, we just pray also that this heart for prayer, that Southland is praying, I can't think of a much more important prayer request that would please the heart of God. To want to have a heart of prayer. If we don't have a desire, we that's our prayer request. Just ask for it. And Lord, as I was praying for that, I couldn't help but think of the Canadian church, the broader church, and the church around the world. I pray that you would give the church across this land a heart for prayer. And I pray that you'd give the church around the world, the global church, a heart for prayer. Give us as individuals a heart for prayer, a desire to pray. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do as you take us into the school of prayer. In Jesus' name, and everybody agreed by saying, amen and amen. You may be seated. All right, last week we uh, talked about wake up in prayer. This is the fourth uh, part of a series on prayer and fasting. Marty started off with a wonderful kind of a testimonial sermon, uh, and that was uh, wonderful. And then uh, Pastor Stefan followed right up and took us right into uh, a sermon called uh, True Fasting from Isaiah 58, which I, I was so thrilled about. And then last week we talked about wake up and pray. And this week we're talking about persevere, persevering in prayer. That we're to persevere, persist, keep on praying. That's what the sermon is about uh, today. If we believe, so we want to begin by asking this question, why is prayer necessary in the first place? Because Satan is always asking these questions in our thought patterns. And so he's always asking us uh, questions about, you know, why, why are you praying? Why is it even necessary? God already knows that you have these needs. And Jesus actually says that. So why, do, why is it even necessary? Well, if we believe that God is sovereign, uh, or the answer for this, I should say, lies in God's original plan when he created man and woman. He gave Adam and Eve dominion over the entire earth and all creation. He said, rule over the things that are created. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, I believe. Even the psalmist echoed this. He said in Psalm 115, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given, and the Hebrew word there means assigned to man. God didn't give away ownership of the earth. That he didn't do. But he did assign responsibility of governing it to humanity. And as such, Adam was to represent the will of God here on earth. How things went on planet earth, for better or worse, depended on the first couple and their offspring. Though God is sovereign and all-powerful, power, he limited himself in that sense concerning the affairs of this earth uh, by working through human beings, through obedient human beings. He decided to do it that way. We're not robots. We're thinking human beings with wills, and we can submit to the lordship of a sovereign God 
who shows us what he's trying to do through his written word and by the leading of his spirit, and then he can enact his will through individuals. This is a staggering thought, and it is a key reason for the necessity of prayer. We are to labor in the spiritual realm just like we are to labor in the natural realm. Jesus taught that our prayers enact God's will on earth. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he said this. This then is how you should pray. And I'm so glad we, we prayed the Lord's Prayer there the other week. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Exactly. Didn't he tell us to, I mean, didn't he tell us to ask for daily bread? Did, did he in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. And yet he knows our needs before we ask them. And yet he ties the asking to us receiving. Didn't he tell us to ask that labors be sent into the harvest? Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. But doesn't the Lord of the harvest want it more than we do? Isn't it true? He enacts his will not only in the natural realm by us doing certain things, ruling over creation, but he also enacts his will through prayer. We have the story of Elijah's prayers in 1 Kings chapter 17, 18. It's powerful, powerful stories if you, if you go back and rehearse it. After a three-year uh, three drought, there was a drought, God said to Elijah, go tell Ahab that there's going to be a drought for three years. And then he went and he hid himself from Ahab, who wanted to kill him for that. And sure enough, there was this drought. But after a three-year drought, God said to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will, what? Send rain to, on the land. Now, that was God's will. True? It was God's will that there be rain. Now, does God have the ability and power to just bring rain on his own? Yes or no? Yes. But he says to, but watch this, he says to Elijah, go and tell him that I'm going to send rain. After the contest on Mount Carmel, Elijah prayed and it rained. Now, according to verse 1, we see that the idea is God's, but it required Elijah's prayers to enact God's will here on earth. James chapter 5 says, commenting on this same story, James says, he, speaking of Elijah, prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for how long? Three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. When Abraham interceded on behalf of Lot, God spared him from uh, uh, spared him from the destruction that came on Sodom and Gomorrah. When Daniel interceded, God set things in motion to deliver Israel from Babylonian captivity, as stated by the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 25 and chapter 29. Interesting. But 
Abraham interceded, Daniel interceded, and that's when it happened. When the church prayed, Peter was set free from prison. God will not eliminate the middleman. Many things God will not move unless we pray. Apparently, our prayers do make a difference, a huge difference. But we have a problem in the church today, not just here, but across the land, which Isaiah faced on, uh, in his day as well. Isaiah outlined the evil of his present society. Note God's reaction uh, in the verses preceding this particular verse. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. In other words, the, the, the sin in the land, there was no justice. It was a very similar kind of day to what we see in our land today. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. No one to intercede. The whole world, Christians too, see terrible things going on and ask, why isn't God doing something about this? But God is astonished, even shocked. He wonders that there's no one interceding and asks, where are the Christians? How can they be doing nothing on their knees? He moves in the affairs of mankind according to the degree and how specifically we pray. He is fully willing and he is full of love. Amen? Amen. He is full of love. I had to take out a parable I wanted to go to because we just don't have time, but where it illustrates that. Pastor Vivian Fernandez in, in Mumbai, India said this, the greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. We must know without a doubt that prayer changes things. In the Lord's Prayer, he teaches us to pray that his will be done in every part of our lives, in our marriages, our families, our friends, our acquaintances, in our cities, and in our country. All this means that God desires to answer your prayers. But we must pray. But we must pray. I want to stop for just a moment as we, before we continue on. There are some conditions to answered prayers. And we'll just pause here for a moment to, to look at them very briefly. We won't expand on them. God will always answer your prayers if you meet the following five conditions. Let me repeat. He will always answer your prayers if you meet the following conditions. The first one is we must ask according to his will. And this is the confidence, John said, that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. He hears us. That means, that doesn't mean he just hears us and then goes on. When it says he hears us, it means he hears us and then answers. That's what that means. But how do you know if it's God's will? That's the big million-dollar question. How do you know? It's actually very simple. 
Is, it, is your request according to God's written word? Does it align with this or does it contradict what the word says? That's the first one. That's quite simple. Um, here's the second one. Is your request according to the leading of his spirit? What has he said to you about the request? So when you go into prayer, you don't just kind of rattle off a, a list. You spend time before the Lord with your prayer requests laid out. And as you're praying into a particular request, he begins to give you thoughts back. He shows you how to pray. He shows you maybe sometimes what's going on. Sometimes he may even give you a dream or a vision or a, a, a word, a thought, or whatever it is. He begins as you linger in prayer with him. And it may not all be on one day. In fact, it usually isn't. It usually happens over a period of times of praying into that situation. And, uh, and so the leading of the Spirit. So it has to be according to the written Word of God. Can't contradict this. And then whatever else He is showing you that aligns with Scripture but is specific to the situation that you are praying for. Okay? Second, we must pray in faith. Mark chapter 11, whatever you ask, keep... And by the way, the word is keep on asking. The present tense in Greek... The Greek verb present tense is always continual action. That's not how it is in English necessarily. But in Greek, it always is continuous action. That's, that's true of the infinitive as well and true of, uh, for the participle as well for those of you that are into language or grammar, okay? <laughs> but don't worry about it. In Greek, the present tense is always continuous. So it means, you, you literally, if, if you really wanted to translate it properly, you would say, whatever you keep on asking for in prayer, believe that you have it, keep believing that you have received it, and it will be yours. If you don't believe he'll grant your request, your request you won't get it. It's as simple as that. And James says that. Um, but we must ask in faith without doubting because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the winds. That man should, what? Not expect <laughs> to receive anything from the Lord. Much of, uh, often our prayers, my prayers sometimes too, they begin to drift into unbelief. We must believe. Oh, God, thank you that you're going to do this. Do you see the difference? Thank you, Lord. And so you begin to thank him like that. Third, we must pray with right motives. Obviously, when you do not ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. You squander it on your own pleasures. Uh, if your prayers are selfish, not about God's glory or his kingdom, if they are to harm uh, others, oh, God, please smush so-and-so. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I have, in my immaturity. In years gone by, I would do that. Oh God, <laughs> they did this to me. 
Vindicate me. No, that's not, you won't be heard. Number four, we must pray without treasured sin. What do I mean by that? I was just looking for a word. The, the kind of sin you hang on to. You know, God has been dealing with you about it, but you refuse to let it go. And, uh, and so Isaiah 59 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save or his ear to, uh, too dull to hear, but your iniquities have built barriers between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. In other words, he does not answer. His arm isn't too short to save, but he will not hear because we hang on to it. We talked a little bit about that last week. I won't belabor the point. And finally, we must keep on asking. Mark 11:24 again says, whatever you ask, keep on asking in prayer. Believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And uh, we talked about the present tense there. So, why do we have to keep on asking? I mean, he hears the first time, doesn't he? Why do we have to keep on asking? That's the big question. Why do we have to keep on persevering in prayer? Like I asked it a hundred times already. Do you ever feel that way? And then, because you don't have an answer, you quit praying. <laughs> so let's answer the question. At least as much as I can this morning. Scripture teaches us that we are to persist or persevere in our asking. Back to the story about Elijah's prayer for rain. Okay, so we, we introduced it in the previous point, but let's go back to the story about Elijah praying for rain. In 1 Kings chapter 17 to 18, after Elijah brought down, remember, um, uh, uh, God told Elijah to go and tell Ahab that, and then Elijah first sets up a contest on, uh, on Mount Carmel, you know, and he calls down fire, and the 400 prophets of Baal couldn't do it, and people said, the Lord, he is God. And after that, he tells Ahab, I uh, go and eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Wait a minute. There isn't a cloud in the sky if there's been a drought for three years, and he says, there's a sound of rain. I'm going to tell you what that is. That is a statement of faith. Based on what God said. So he's declaring into the heavenlies what God has already told him. And by the way, that's a prayer point. That's how you do it. When God shows you something, you declare it and you begin to live accordingly, and you thank him accordingly, and you pray accordingly. Amen? Uh, my wife sent me uh, a message this morning by email, and in it, she made a declaration of something the Lord showed her about the sermon today. <laughs> she did. And, um, but that's what I'm talking about. And she just wrote it in. Yet Elijah had to pray for it to happen. So after Ahab goes to eat and drink, guess what Elijah does? He goes up on the mountain, and uh, he begins to pray. Elijah climbed to the, mount, the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. 
But he didn't pray once. He prayed how many times? Seven times. First, uh, uh, the next uh, verse, go and look toward the sea. So he prays for a while. He's really interceding. Oh, God, thank you that you're going to do this. Thank you that you said you were going to do this. Thank you you're bringing it in. And I'm, I'm praying it into being. Go and look toward the sea, he told a servant. And went up and looked. There's nothing, the servant said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as man's hand is rising from the sea. He prayed once, then sent his servant to look. No cloud. He prayed again, then sent his servant. Still no cloud. He prayed a third time, then a fourth time, a fifth, then a sixth. Still no cloud. How many of us would have quit by number five? Eh? Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> we, he wouldn't stop. And if it hadn't happened after the seventh time, I'm convinced Elijah would have gone to the eighth and the ninth. Because he knew what God had said, and he knew it was his job to enact it through prayer. And so he, the seventh time, the servant said, I see a cloud... Uh, the size of a fist. Look at Elijah's response. Go quickly, tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. <laughs> if you saw a cloud the size of your hand or a fist, <laughs> would you go tell somebody to get going because there's going to be this major storm? <laughs> before you get stuck in the mud? <laughs> but that's what he's telling him. Wow, <laughs> I like that. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. And by the way, that's the, the, these are step prayer answers. We'll talk about that in a moment again. Step prayer answers, not the whole thing. He just keeps praying it in, and finally there's a big storm. Heavy rain came, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Isaiah exhorted the prayer partners of Israel like this. Israel had prayer partners. This isn't a 20th or 21st century invention. Israel had them. Isaiah said in Isaiah 62, my wife was reading this passage this morning in her devotions and told me about it, and she was quite emotional about it, I, and, and then I got teary-eyed teary because... I said, that's the same verse I have in my sermon today. This is what the sermon is about today. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I've posted watchmen. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, take, uh, take no rest for yourselves. In other words, just keep praying. Nor give God any rest until. What's the word? Do not give God. God any rest? One more time. Do not give God any rest until. until the prayer is answered. That's what he's talking about here. He establishes Jerusalem, makes her the praise of the earth. We are to ask, keep on asking until he answers or until he tells us we have asked enough. Give him no rest until the prayer is answered. Now, listen to this. 
Prayers of faith are not prayed once, they are prayed what? Through to the end. Prayers of faith. You say, what kind of faith? Oh, I'm just going, nope. Biblical faith rests on something God has said in his word and the spirit who, who wrote it and never contradicts the word has told you in private whatever he's told you in private. Then he gives you faith for that. That's what you can have faith in. Not faith in your own ideas, not faith in faith, not faith in your prayer ability or any kind of ability. Just faith on what God has said. Amen? Young people, amen? Amen. Old people, amen? Amen. <laughs> Is anybody over 30? <laughs> I wanted to make sure I got Pastor Stuffin in there <laughs> in that category. Amen. Until you receive the answer. Jesus said the same thing. Keep praying until you receive the answer. He said, ask, and it's a present tense. You can look it up yourself if you, want, if you don't believe me. Ask. Keep asking, and you will what? Say it with a little bit more confidence. Keep asking, and you will? Keep knocking, and the door will be open. And I missed one, didn't I? Keep seeking, <laughs> you will find. For everyone who keeps asking, receives. Everyone who keeps seeking, finds. Everybody who keeps knocking, the door is open. Wow, how many times does, does Jesus have to say it to us, amen? Before this old guy gets it. That's what he says. The present, uh, so, so why do we have to keep asking God? That's the question. Here's the first, here's the first answer, because, that's the BC, we are constantly warring against unseen spiritual forces. That's one reason. The Babylonian Empire had just been overthrown by the Medes and the Persians in 539 B.C. That's, a, that's right after the story of the writing, you know, Bel Bel Belshazzar's writing on the wall. Remember that story? So that's the time frame. Daniel, a captive, was reading Jeremiah's prophecy, which said that after 70 years, Judah would return from exile to Jerusalem in Jeremiah 29.10. So he turned to prayer as we mentioned before, and shortly after that, Cyrus decreed that the Jewish exiles could return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple in 538 B.C. Daniel prays, Cyrus decrees. <laughs> and by the way, Isaiah had prophesied that, Isaiah, that Cyrus would decree that, and he prophesied that about 200 years before it actually happened. But Daniel enacted it through prayer. But due to fierce opposition, remember when the exiles came back to Babylon, they started to build, this is the story of Ezra, and then again in Nehemiah. Do you remember when they started to build? And when they were building, they had tremendous opposition in the natural realm. Enemies came, and, and eventually, the exiles were so discouraged that they, what? Quit. They stopped building. That's what's behind this story of Daniel. 
But due to the, uh, so it was fierce opposition, according to Ezra chapter 4, and in prayer, Daniel received a vision of a great conflict which exposed the ongoing spiritual warfare in the heavenly realm. So what, Ezra, what is described in Ezra 4, Daniel now tells us what's going on, not in the natural realm, as we see in Ezra 4, Daniel tells us what's going on in the spirit world, in the spiritual realm. And he says there's a great conflict. I want to say this, and I don't think I've put it on, on, on the screen here, but I want to say this and listen really carefully. Conflicts on earth reflect conflicts in the heavens. Conflicts on earth reflect conflicts in the heavens. So Daniel prayed again. You're not going to change conflicts in the heaven by changing laws. In fact, you can't change the laws without first doing the interceding. Do you see? Because these are the puppets to what's really happening in the spirit realm. So an angel appeared to Daniel and said, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me. How long? So, here's what he's saying. God responded to your, Daniel, you're fasting and praying, for 21 days you did. But I just want you to know that on day one, God began to answer your prayer. He dispatched me. But it took me 21 days to get here because I faced such terrible spiritual opposition in the heavenlies. Wow. And he says, then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now, the king of Persia, you know what he's talking about there? He, if you read the entire passage, you'll see. He's not talking about the king of Persia on the ground. He's talking about the principalities that are over nations in the heavenlies. Big demonic principalities and rulers of the, of the air. The Apostle Paul talked about it. We'll look at it in just a moment, okay? And so as soon as Daniel began to pray and fast, God heard his prayers, sent a glorious angel in response. But this powerful angel was resisted by an evil principality which controlled Medo-Persia, which is what Daniel was praying about. Um, and uh, resisted uh, this uh, uh, for, for 21 days. So this evil principality was resisting God's purposes. Thank goodness they're not as strong as God and his forces. Amen. He's sovereign. And uh, they, can, they, can, they can bring delays, but they can't stop God's sovereign will. Amen. But God then requires us to pray into these things. Because the Jews were facing opposition in the heavenly realms, they were also facing human opposition in the natural realm. You look at what's happening in the Middle East. If you try to explain this simply in natural terms and through politics and all the rest, you have failed. As believers, you can't explain it like that. There are 
there are, there are powerful principalities that are controlling these things. And Michael, by the way, is an archangel. It says he's an archangel. Daniel 12 talks about, he's talked about three times in scripture. He's an archangel, which means he has the highest rank. And he's a warrior angel. And according to Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, he has been given the assignment of protecting Israel. The people of Israel. That's why the people of Israel have never completely disappeared from the planet. You can't explain it. It's in the spiritual realm. That's how you explain it. Anyway, it was Daniel's ongoing prayers that brought the victory. Paul warns us that we too battle against forces of evil in heavenly realms. He said our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus believed this. Paul believed this. The early church believed this. And church, we have to believe it. Our prayers will be ineffective for many that we pray for if we don't understand that there are evil forces that are stopping it. And we can't explain certain things without recognizing that it's happening in the spiritual realms. And so our prayers are needed to resist that fight. But we're in an ongoing battle and war. Is that true? Yeah. And so we can't stop. We can't take the foot off the gas pedal. We can't just pray a little prayer because our prayers are part of that enactment and battle. We fight on our knees. We sometimes pray. That's what that means. We fight on our knees. It's true. This is what we're up against when we're praying for our family members, friends, neighbors, and fellow workers. And Paul exhorts us to keep on warring against them in prayer. A few verses later, this is part of that section on the armor. He says, and pray, or keep on praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And oh, be alert for what? The enemy. That's what he's talking about. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people because we're all vulnerable to attack. Number two, so the first reason we got to keep, keep on praying, keep on pressing in, persevering, is because we're in a spiritual battle. And the enemies, the spiritual forces of evil, do not give up. And so we can't give up either. Amen? Aha. Second, because it takes time to grow us spiritually. Our, our great danger when the answer to our prayers is, de- uh, you know, when our prayers are delayed, is the temptation to think that it might not be God's will to give us what we ask. So we begin to doubt God's word and the leading of his spirit, as I mentioned before. And our doubting or lack of faith leads us to quit praying for what we asked. However, if our prayer is according to God's word and the leading of the Spirit, let us not, brothers and sisters, let us not yield to the temptation to quit or to think that it isn't God's will. It is His will. Amen? Oh, I'm trying to exhort me and you (laughs) to pray and never give up. Jesus said that in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I don't have it here. I have to take it out today. 
However, if our prayer is uh, according, so, uh, I, re- I said that already. So why does God delay in answering perfectly legit prayers? As we already noted, one reason is, is to continually war against an unseen enemy, but there's another reason. In the natural world, isn't it true that it takes time to develop a mature plant or crop or tree? In fact, once you get to my age, you have to still start to calculate what kind of a tree you're going to plant if you're going to enjoy it. It's true. My wife and I have that, that conversation. Now. Well, it's, we're going to plant a tree. That one takes 30 years to grow. No, that will be just good for the person following me. So, then we go to a different one. Isn't that true? <laughs> it takes, an oak tree takes 20 to 50 years to mature and produce a bountiful crop of acorns. If you plant a Chinese bamboo seed, it only breaks through the ground in the fifth year. After five more years, it will suddenly grow 90 feet tall in five weeks. Is that incredible? But it takes time to develop. You're not going to get that bamboo thing going in the first year. Isn't it true? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote that if someone with a natural talent practices 10,000 hours, they will achieve expertise in that particular skill. 10,000 hours equals 20 hours a week for 10 years. That takes a lot of time to develop and become that. Isn't it true? Now, I don't have a sport gene, so I'm not wasting 10,000 hours. Uh, because no, I could give 20,000 hours and I'll still fall on the stairs. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you go, oh boy, poor guy needs help. Similarly, it takes a lot of time for God to grow us in spirit and in character. God uses delay to grow the one praying and the one being prayed for. That's what he uses delay for. So, um, let me give you an example from my own life. Um, many years ago, uh, before we, when we were living in Kitchener, Waterloo, uh, there was a pastor and he was pre- uh, preaching on faith out of Hebrews chapter 11. It so awakened a desire in me. It had to be a Holy Spirit thing so awakened in me a desire to live by faith that the very next morning, early in the morning, I went to the church. I had a key because I was a youth, I was a youth pastor, youth and young adult pastor, and I unlocked the door. It was pitch black in the auditorium. Nobody else was there, and I began to pray and cry out to God, and I said, please, God, I want to live a life of faith. I want to know what it's like. And so I, uh, I, I really prayed into that. Day after day, I, I, would, I would pray that. And uh, I was going to Bible college at the, uh, at the time there in southern Ontario, and we had small children, and I worked at a farm equipment uh, factory after school until 2 a.m. It was a dark time economically. Many businesses closed, and, and uh, there were many house uh, foreclosures because the interest rate was over 20%. And in prayer, the Lord instructed us to double our giving from 10% to 20%. I was a student. <laughs> and a friend and I talked about it, and we said, well, if God said it, 
we're, we're going to do it. We're going to give 20%. So we did, even though we had a meager salary. And uh, then I went to work. Two weeks later, um, the, the company where I was working, it was a plant equipment. They, they produced uh, um, agricultural equipment. And, uh, and when I went in, all the workers at this big plant uh, got laid off, got laid off notices, and we were sent home. I, I went home, and, and a friend met me. He said, why are you home? I, I just uh, lost my job. Everybody lost their job. And, uh, and her first question was this. What do we do about that 20% we promised two weeks ago? I said, well, God must have known two weeks ago that, he was, that this plant was going to shut down. And yet he asked us. So I said, we, we're going to trust, why don't we trust them and, and we'll go on with it. And she agreed. So we, and then I, I said, uh, humorously, I said, well, I mean, really, 20% of nothing <laughs> is nothing anyway. So if we're not getting anything, 20%, no problem. And uh, so uh, we started to give. For two months, eight weeks, we had no income. We had no savings. That was all, uh, already gone uh, because of schooling. And uh, no savings left and, and um, no job. And I couldn't get one. Nobody could because everybody was looking for a job and the plants were shutting down. And no income from the government. No, nothing coming uh, from the government. There was zero uh, coming in. And uh, yet, God continued to take care of us. And uh, what's more, we continued to keep our promise. We'd give 20%. And when I finally did get a job two months later, that's a miracle story too. I won't get into that. But when we decided, or, or at the end of the two months, when we compared the amount, we found out that we had given roughly the same amount as we had been giving before we lost the job. God just started sending. We'd, we'd pray, and miracle after miracle would happen. And money would just come in from nowhere. And he had, he had told us, you may not ask anyone for money. You cannot even share what you're going through unless they ask. And yet, God took care of it. He was... We had two prayer requests. I didn't realize they were related. One was to grow in faith, and the other one was I needed a job. And God had to delay the request for a job in order to teach us to depend solely on Him so I could grow in faith. There had to be a delay. I could tell you so many stories from that time period about growing in faith uh, where there were these kinds of delays. Faith would be needed to plant a church in another city without financial support, a job, or even a car, because that was one of the things he asked us to do. But because of some of the things we had experienced, do you see, do you see he's growing us? The next person, on the other hand, faces financial challenges, yet when they pray, God may delay the answer because he's teaching them to live within their means. He was teaching me to live by faith. He was, he teaches the next person to live within their means, and it's the same thing. So there's a, there's a delay. You may be praying for someone away from the Lord and in sin. The, more, the Lord may delay so they are sick of their sin and never return to it again. Do you see what I'm getting at? All this requires delays. We have to give God time. 
Every single prayer you offer in faith during a delay wins another inch of spiritual ground until you possess the full promise. Amen? Yeah. This holds true of healing prayers as well. You pray for somebody one time, oh my goodness, it's very doubtful that you're going to get what you want the first time, or the second time, maybe even the third time. Usually, you have to soak in prayer and keep going to prayer because God is trying to grow the people who are praying and he's trying to grow possibly the person who is asking for prayer. But it's possible that the person who needs prayer, that it's more for the ones who are doing the praying than it is for the one who's receiving the prayer. Have you ever thought of that? God delays to grow us so that we grow up so that he can use us effectively in the kingdom and so that we don't lose a reward at the end of our life. He's developing us for eternity. Years ago, I coined, uh, I coined it step prayers and step answers. Led by the Spirit, you pray every step towards the goal into being. Answer delayed isn't is not answer denied. Can you say that with me? Answer delayed is not answer denied. Don't allow that temptation that says, oh, well, maybe he, it's just not his will somehow, or maybe he's just not interested in this one, or whatever other lie the enemy brings to your mind. God is working all things out for good to those who love him during those delays. That's Romans 8.28, by the way. I didn't put it up there, but that's Romans 8.28. You all know it. Here's the final point. How to persevere in prayer during del delays. This is very practical, and if you want to, you can just take pictures. You can write on the little paper or in your journals, whatever. But if you want to, you can just take a picture and, and then use it um, only faith to stand on God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit can overcome the problem of God's delay. With such faith, you will not be discouraged by delay and you won't quit. So how do you get faith that keeps you persevering in prayer so you can receive the answer to your prayers? The first is this. And we already looked at it, so I'm just going to put it up, and that way you can just take a picture of it. We looked at it in point B. Collect Bible promises and conditions about prayer and put them in your prayer journal. And pray them. Literally pray them. Don't just collect them. Pray them. Oh, God. Your word tells us in 1 John 5, 14 that you will answer if we ask according to your will, and what I'm asking is according to your will. Do you see what I'm saying? Dear Lord, you promised in Mark chapter 11, 24 that you would answer if we asked in faith. And I'm telling you, Lord, I believe this because your word says it. Your spirit has been leading me in this way. I know you're going to do it, and I want to thank you already for the answer. That's how you pray that, okay? You just pray through the list. Uh, like that. That will already grow your faith. Sometimes when I do that, I just start to sense this, this, 
this thing just welling up inside of me, and I go, oh, now, I can, now I can grab onto that thing that I'm praying for, okay? The second thing is this, and there may be other promises that you want to find. I, I'm, just, I'm showing you five here, so you, you can pray that. Here's the second one. Collect Bible principles and the Holy Spirit messages about, about the situation you're praying for them, and pray that as well. Now, we all have people that have, everybody knows the people that over the years have walked away from the faith or something. Maybe you're praying for somebody that's on the wrong trajectory and they're moving away from the faith. The first thing you do is pray, uh, you pray for them that God will do the least that he has to do in order to bring them back. In other words, Lord, speak to them through dreams and visions or thoughts or words or something a friend says or a, a, maybe they go hear a sermon <laughs> even if they've quit church or whatever it is. But Lord, get their attention. And Lord, if that doesn't work, then take it to the next step. You know one of the questions the Lord asked me one day? He said, Ray, what is one of the greatest gifts I've ever given you? you will never believe what my answer was. You will never believe it. You know what it was? Discipline. You say, discipline? Yes, discipline. And I'll tell you why. Um, and I just, I, I, I've just got a few things up that are going to go up there, I think. Um, yeah, there they are. So God's name is vindicated and glorified so that I didn't shipwreck my faith and so I wouldn't destroy the faith of others. And you see, you see all those reasons, and I pray those things. Now, wait a minute. Let's back up a little bit. You can't pray something like that for somebody with, if you have a wrong motive. If, you, if you're praying that you, you want to, God to smush them, <laughs> an ant, <laughs> God, take care of them. No, you can't pray that prayer. Then go away from it. But I'll tell you what happened to me. I was a pastor. I planted a church. I, I left my career. And somebody, there was a couple in our church who started a prayer meeting. He was an elder, actually, that competed with the church Bible study and prayer meeting on Wednesday night. In fact, he started on the same night, same time, in his home. He wouldn't come to the church one. He was an elder. Do you see why I left there and came to Southland? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that was exactly the problem. And uh, we went there with the other elders and tried to straighten it out. They yelled at us and threw us out of the house. And I got in the van and I looked at my wife, Fran, and I said, no one will ever treat me like that ever again. I made a vow. You know making a vow like that is a bad thing. Amen? And my heart left the church and I secretly started to look at going back into flying. I did. And so guess what the Lord did? I got my airline transport license back, and as soon as I did, and I got two jobs, offers, two job offers in Winnipeg at the International Airport. 
They even told me when I would start, which store to go in to get my flight suits and everything. And suddenly, within a 60-minute period, I got two phone calls to cancel both offers. And I knew who had done it. And I took a shoe and I threw it across the room. And I took the other shoe and threw that one across the room. Do you know why? I knew who had done it. It was the Lord. And I was angry at him. And so you know what the Lord did? He would not let me fly. He was going to teach me a lesson. Yeah, you're looking at Pastor Ray. This is a true story. And he put me on a truck for three years away from my wife, the things that I love most, away from my kids, who, who I love so much, away from my career, and away even from ministry for three years. I would cry going down the, down the road driving this truck. I thought I was on a, on a shelf. After three years, Len phoned me. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for using Len. And he said, would you like to, uh, you know, would you like to apply at Southland? I won't get into that, but eventually I got back on. Uh, I got back into ministry, and I shouted on the way from Kleefeld into Steinbeck that I was back in ministry. And I'm going to tell you something. I got a fear of the Lord. There were many times when I faced challenges over the last you know, over the 22 years that you wouldn't have even known, and since. But I never was tempted to quit again. Amen? Because I had a healthy fear of the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. So when I say, I mean, otherwise I would have lost my reward. I could have shipwrecked my faith. Uh, you know, and so that they can minister again. Jesus prayed that Peter would, he said, when you turn back, Peter, I've prayed that when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Samson, what a total disaster of a minister. Amen? And yet at the end of his life, he finally gets back on track and in one full swoop, he kills more of the enemy than he did in his entire life combined. He turned back. Fear of the Lord. Discipline. It was the discipline that brought him back. It's a healthy thing. And I got all kinds of passages there. That's in my prayer journal. But you craft something like that. Whatever you're praying for, get biblical principles. This is an example of it, okay? This is just an example. You can, be, you can get biblical principles and Holy Spirit messages, that's what the HS means, about something else that you're praying. You collect it and you put it in your prayer journal. And then you pray it. And when I go to prayer and I pray for people like that, I, go to, I, I pray with compassionate, with compassion I mean, and with an understanding of what a tremendous gift it is. Wouldn't it be terrible to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? For eternity? Isn't that what Jesus said? So you pray those things, but not with a vindictive spirit. You pray it with tears. Because you know how much you needed it. 
You see what I'm saying? That's how you pray. Then record and thank God for every step prayer. And fourth, praise God in song. One of the songs that I've had on repeat a lot, hundreds of times probably, is Adonai Yimloch. The repeat line is Adonai Yimloch Leolam Vayed. That's Hebrew, and it means the Lord's God reign will ne never end. And I walk around half dancing, but I do it in the dark because I'm a Mennonite. <laughs> and I do a little jig. Adonai Yomloch Leolam Vayed Adonai Yomloch Leolam Vayed The Lord God's reign will never end Adonai Yomloch Leolam Vayed And then my dog gets up and he stands there and he looks at me like this. And I say, go lie down. <laughs> and then I sing it again and I put it on repeat and I have it in my I have it in my in my pocket and I have it on repeat and I I keep singing it and you know why I'm singing that? Because the situation sometimes looks so terrible. They look impossible. And then I sing about God's sovereignty. I sing about his sovereignty and suddenly I realize oh, he's sovereign in all this and he's asked me to pray into this situation it's not as black as it looks it's not as black as it looks he's in charge and he's hearing and answering prayers and he promised that he would but he said please I'm asking for someone to intercede and keep interceding and that's how I built a faith grows in me and I pray and then I can pray with faith and keep going. Without that, your prayers are dead. And you finally, you quit praying. You need faith to keep praying. Amen? You need faith to keep praying. The last thing that I was going to put on there, it's at the end, but I'm going to leave it at that. Confess that you have quit praying. We all have. I, I, I confess it about certain situations that are God's will and commit to take the steps as I've outlined them for you, very simple, so that you will grow in faith and persevere in prayer. Amen. Church, pray like you've never prayed before. Persevere in prayer. Amen. Amen.